0: Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior If you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's word.
1: Acts chapter number two, verse number seven. This verse is often abused. It's actually part of preacher, uh, Peter's sermon, Peter's preaching, on the day of Pentecost. And uh, he's letting them have it. He probably has 10,000 or more listeners. And we know that 3,000 of them are willing to uh, not only get saved, but get baptized. And so in verse number 17, it says this. In uh, verse number 17 of chapter number 2. Everyone have it? Here we go. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Let's read it one more time. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and again, that doesn't mean be ordained ministers like some churches teach. That means that they're going to be ready to share the word of God. It doesn't matter who they are. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful this morning that we could read part of Peter's sermon, and Lord, we know on that day that thousands were brought under conviction by the preaching of the Apostle Peter. And uh, when he started out, he was constantly in trouble with the Lord. But Lord, here, he was definitely filled with the Spirit of God, and he spoke words that convicted the hearts of so many. Here, as he quotes from the book of Joel in the Old Testament, he's citing a passage that tells us that In the last days, your spirit is going to be poured out upon all flesh. We pray this morning, right here in this auditorium, your spirit would be poured out. If there's someone here today that has never trusted you as personal Savior, I don't know what they're waiting for, Lord. It's so easy to be saved, and it's so dangerous to not be. We ask you now, Lord, that you'll intervene in their soul, convict them, and show them their need to be saved. And when we give the invitation at the end, that without hesitation... They'll step into the aisle and come and meet David here at the front and ask how they can be saved. I pray that you'll speak to all of us today and help us all to leave this place saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter number two, verse 17 is actually a quotation out of the book of Joel. It comes from Joel chapter number two in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. And Peter is quoting it because he knows that the church age is beginning, and these are the start of the last days, and he knew that, and that's why he stands up there and he preaches the word of God, and people are being saved, Uh, and then they follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. Now dreams is what we're going to talk about today, that's the basic theme that we're looking at, and your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Well, what exactly does that mean? I'll just share a little bit with that about you. But did you know there's over, been over 200 songs written in the music industry that have to do with dreams? In fact, David spoiled one of them, Mr. Sandman. Okay, uh, the cordette sang, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Okay, all right. But uh, there's been a lot of others. And uh, this is just a small sampling of Of uh, many hundreds of songs that have been written. We all have them. Even if you don't remember that you had them the next morning. You ever done that? Got up and it was a good dream, but you can't remember it. That's called the Nebuchadnezzar effect. But you can't tell your wife and family, I'm going to kill you if you don't tell me what my dream was by the end of the day. You can't do that part of Nebuchadnezzar, okay? No, we've all had them. You have them whether you know it or not. And we all need them. Why do we need them? Because the truth is, doctors say it's medically essential that uh, you having dreams while you're having rapid eye movement in your sleep. And if you don't have it, it leads to a lot of other physical problems: heart attacks, physical breakdowns. You've got to have. Everybody's got to have REM sleep, and if you're having REM sleep, you're dreaming. Now, who knows what you're dreaming about? Don't know, and that's up to you. And sometimes we remember, and sometimes we can't. But along with sleep dreams, there's another type of dream that I want to focus on, too, this morning, and that's hope dreams. Hope dreams and sleep dreams are two different things. Sleep dream, you wake up, okay, sometimes they're goofy, sometimes they're just stupid, and you're just wondering, what in the world was that about? And so, and then, but there's a different type of dream, too, that's called a hope dream. Something that you want, you're, you're dreaming about. I used to sit in the library when I was in my freshman year in high school and open up National Geographics and I would see things like Mount Rushmore and the Grand Canyon and the Golden Gate Bridge and, and I'd see the Gulf of Mexico and, the, and I'd see this stuff and growing up as a farm boy in Iowa, I'd say, you know, someday, someday, I'm going to go see those places in person. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to find a way to do that. That, that's the kind of dreams that, you know, you, you hope for things in your life and you, you hope for them. I mean, I can also remember, I'm looking forward. I wanted, I wanted a wife. I wanted a family. I wanted to do my best in whatever God uh, chose or called me to do. And so we need those kind of dreams as well. One guy said uh, he, when he wakes up in the morning, uh, he doesn't have any hopes. And he says, first thing my dog brings me to the newspaper. And he said, the first section I turn to is the obituaries. And he says, if my name isn't in there, he said, then I get out of bed. All right, well, let me tell you something. In a movie, never-ending story, and I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, there comes a climactic moment near the end when a little warrior named Atreyu meets his archenemy, the great dog, the great wolf, Gamork. And Gamork, as they're ready to go to battle, but they hold a conversation before they actually go to a war with each other. And he asks, Atreyu asks him, Why are you a destroyer? Why do you wreck people's lives? Why are you helping the nothing to destroy the world? And then Gomorrah gives this quote He says, People who have no dreams have no hopes. And people who have no hopes are easy to control. It's a very profound statement that he made right there. Very profound meaning in the movie. Uh, a university study done by, I believe, the University of Maine did a study. Uh, people who have something to look forward to in their life, and I don't care what it is, okay? If you have something to look forward to your life, then you are less likely to be one thing and more likely to be something else. You are less likely to be depressed, you realize? If you have something to look forward to. If you think life's not worth living, trust me, you're depressed. Does, do you wonder why so many people are depressed today? I mean, you look at the world around you and you look at the collision course that nations are on today and the way that we're being governed, the way that we're being led, yeah, that's part of it. But if you have something to look forward to, you're less likely to be tra- depressed. You're more likely to be positive. If you have some. You're less likely to be fearful. You're more likely to be hopeful about tomorrow, about the next day, about the next day. You're more, less likely to be lazy if you have hope dreams. You're more likely to be energetic because to get to those dreams, you know that there's stuff that's got to be done. You're more likely, or less likely rather, to be distracted and you're more likely to be focused. Kind of like when you were dating her. You remember that? You dressed in your best clothes. Put on that Brute 33. How many are old enough to remember Brute 33? Okay. Put that old Brute 33 on there. Yeah, She just thought every time she met you, you always smelled nice. Your hair was always in place. You always looked so handsome. And you thought every morning she got up, every hair was in place. Everything was beautiful on her. And then you end up, you date on the basis of your strengths and you get married and you wake up the next morning and go, Who is this person? Listen, it's, we ought to have hope dreams, amen? Now, how exactly did God telegraph his word to people? He had four ways that he did it in the word of God, four different ways. He did it with visions, he did it with dreams, he did it face to face, and he did it with inspiration. That's how God transmitted his word to us. First, he did it with visions, like with Peter in Acts chapter number 10. He did it with, it. now what is the difference between a vision? A vision is where you're not moving, and it's like everything's moving in front of you. The scenes are changing in front of you, but you're not moving. That's a vision, okay? And that's what Peter saw. He was up on the roof in Acts 10, and God lowered down a sheet, and it was filled with pigs and snakes and and all kinds of unclean animals, and God said to Peter, rise, kill and eat. Peter said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never eaten anything that's unclean. What are you talking about? And God said, what I've called clean, don't you call common. Or unclean. Three times Peter had that sheep dropped down to him. Three times God told him, Arise, kill, and eat. He woke up from that, came to from that vision, and he said, What in the world does this mean? And about that time, a knock came to the door. And it was the servants of the house of Cornelius. He was being invited into a Gentile's home. You see, up until the time of the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10, it was a Jews-only club. They only went to the Jews. But Jesus said Jerusalem, Samaria, or Judea, Samaria, and where else? Outermost part of the earth. That's the Gentiles. And you're not doing it. And so he raised up a great persecutor named Saul of Tarsus, and they scattered them everywhere. And everywhere Christians went, they led Gentiles to the Lord. He needed to figure out that get over his bias and prejudice against Gentiles and realize they need to be saved just like everyone. That's a vision. What's a dream? Well, it's like when Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter number 2, he fell asleep, he woke up, he he had the dream of that that statue, that gold head, silver chest and arms, brass. Um, abdomen and iron legs and clay and iron feet and it was struck by a stone in the feet and the whole image shattered and, and then what was left of the stone became a great mountain that filled the earth he woke up in the morning oh this is, this is important this has got to be and so that's how God communicated. and remember he wasn't even saved and yet God communicated him with a dream and then he does it face to face when John was on the Isle of Patmos because he was exiled by the emperor Domitian he was nothing but a, a religious prisoner, and he'd been thrown on the Isle of Patmos a salt mine and put together, put hard work at over 90 years old, and he was put hard to work on that island in slave labor. And then the Lord Jesus came to him and said, Hey, John, and Jesus, John said, I turned to see the person that spoke with me. There was Jesus, standing in the middle of the candlesticks, face to face. He saw Jesus face to face. Sometimes God communicates his word that way. And then the last way is through inspiration. When Apostle Paul would write his letters, I'm telling you, I think, you ever, you ever written something, oh, I don't care if it's a poem or a song or something, and afterwards you go, you look at it and you go, where did that come from? How did I do that? Well, that's, that's sort of like what you're, you're getting a small taste of what Paul must have felt. Because he writes these books and he knows he's being moved by the power of something bigger than him. And he writes these books and they just, they blend together and they're just, in fact, Apostle Peter, at the end of his life, Peter said, do you know the writings of Paul are equal to the Old Testament scriptures? Second Peter chapter two, or chapter three, he said Paul's writings are the same as Old Testament scriptures. So he speaks through inspiration. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. Well, What exactly does that mean? When it says the young men will see visions, it means young men have future ideas. Oh, I want to build this. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a business. They got, you know, dreams of what they're going to do. Now, there's examples of people like, you know, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And Colonel Sanders, who, 65 years old, gets up off his rocking chair and goes out to get a social security check from his mailbox and says, is this going to be the rest of my life? And then he takes his chicken recipe and creates this massive empire of chicken restaurants. So there's examples. But mostly it's the young men that are the builders. They, they have the visions and the dreams. So what does it mean when it says old men will dream, dream? That's the connection to the past. And let me tell you something, young guys, let me tell you something. Don't ever lose the connection to the past. Okay? I knew America was doomed when they stopped teaching history in our schools. The schools of Hawaii, history is not even in the curriculum of the public schools of Hawaii. And that's a shame. Because if you want to destroy a generation, just erase their past. So they know nothing about it, then you can control them. So you need that connection. The old men will dream dreams. They remember things, okay? There's actually, if you listen to some, you'd think that there's, the Bible's filled with dreams. Not true. There's only 21 dreams in the entire Bible that are recorded. That's it, 21 dreams. That's all that's recorded. In the Old Testament, the very first one is Abraham. Abraham's called the Palestinian Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant. He's there, He part parted the animals, he sees the fire of God come down in a dream and pass between, it was making a covenant agreement with him that this is going to be your land forever and I'm going to make your children as the stars of this nighttime sky. This was the first dream that Abraham had. And then uh, when Abraham went off down into Egypt, Abimelech, uh, the king down there near Egypt, he had a dream that Abraham had lied to him, that Sarah wasn't his girlfriend or wasn't his sister. It was his wife, and he was not happy about it. And so there's another dream. And then there's Jacob and his ladder. The word ladder means an ascending Case it can be a staircase it can be a ladder uh, I, it could be made by Stanley Company you know that reaches all the way up to heaven I don't know but anyway he had that dream and so that's one and then there's Jacob he uh, here he gets a dream from God while he's up working with Laban up near Haran and God says it's time for you now to go back to Canaan land so get up pack your bags and get going and so he packs his bags and he sneaks away in the middle of the night the next dream in the Bible is from Laban his father-in-law and Laban is not happy. How dare you sneak out of here in the middle of the night. So Laban gets up and he means to chase him down and do him harm. And then God warns Laban in a dream. Listen, he's a chosen one of mine. You better watch what you do to him. You better watch your P's and Q's around him. And so when Laban catches up to him, he lets him have it. But he says, no, and I know that you're blessed of God, so I'm not going to do anything. Well, yeah, good choice. God let him know in a dream that he better not touch him. And then there's the dream of Joseph. He had actually two dreams. He had the dream of the sheaves bowing down to him and the dream of the sun, moon, and stars worshiping at his feet and all those had to do with his family coming to him in Egypt when he was prime minister in Egypt. Then while he was in Egypt... The butler and baker of the pharaoh also had dreams while he was in the dungeon in prison and he interpreted their dreams for them. And pharaoh himself also had two dreams. He had the dreams of the, uh, the shriveled cows and the dream of the shriveled ears of corn on the, on the husk. And so Joseph came in, interpreted those dreams correctly and so he got, ended up being promoted from prisoner to prime minister in the flash of a second. And then there's the next dream. You don't come to another dream until they conquer the Holy Land. And the Midianites that are there, they, one of the guards, uh, a Jewish spy, is up close to the camp of the Midianites and he hears two Midianite soldiers talking while they're out on guard. duty. he says, yeah, I had a dream last night that a big loaf of bread rolled down the camp and it just rolled over everybody and crushed them. And one of the other guys said, this is the sword of Gideon. This is nothing else but the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And so in their own dream, they were already terrified of, the great warrior Gideon and then Solomon had his dream where God said well ask me whatever you want and Solomon said I, 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 don't, I don't want fame I don't want money I don't want peace with my enemies I just need wisdom and then he married 700 women <laughs> what I thought you were supposed to be wise anyway we won't go there okay so anyway He had his dream and God said, because you didn't ask for money, I'm going to give you lots of it. Because you didn't ask for fame, I'm going to make you famous in the land. Because you didn't ask for peace with your enemies, I'm going to establish that too. And then the next dream is Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar actually has two dreams. He has the dream of the big statue with the gold head. And then he has another dream of a tree that gets cut down, which is actually him and his empire in chapter number 4. And then the next dream is by Daniel. Daniel's standing on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea in Daniel chapter 7, and he sees four strange-looking beasts coming up out of one at a time, coming up out of the water. And each one stands for a different Gentile empire, the Babylonian empire, the Persian empire, the Greek empire, and so on. And then comes the New Testament. There's not another Old Testament dream. Then comes the New Testament. Joseph actually has three. Joseph uh, Alpheus has three dreams. The first dream is, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Because that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so he marries her. Next dream that comes to him, he's in Bethlehem. Jesus gets born, and the Holy Spirit comes to him in a dream and says, you better get out of town because Herod's going to try to kill the kid. He's going to try to kill the Christ child. And so he goes and he runs away to Egypt with Mary and the little Christ child. And while he's down in Egypt, God gives him another dream. And the other dream says, you can go back to Canaan land now because Herod's dead and all that sought the child's life are dead. So go ahead and go on back home. So he had three of the dreams in the New Testament. The next dream in the New Testament is by Claudia Proculus. That's her actual name, Claudia Proculus. She is the wife of Pontius Pilate and she comes to him when Jesus is on trial and says, you better watch what you're doing with this guy have nothing to do with him. And so she tried to warn him, but since when do men ever listen to their wives? Amen? Come on, guys. You can say amen. It's all right. Scaredy cats. I'll say it because there's 70 feet between us. I'll say it. Okay. So uh, amen. And then uh, the last dream that you have in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. He wants to go to Mycenae, God says no, he wants to go to Bithynia, God says no, he wants to go to Asia, God says no, where are we supposed to go? God comes to him in a dream, the Macedonian call, come across and preach to us. And so Paul has the dream of the Macedonian call. There's two types of dreams. There are sleep dreams, which we've already discussed, like for instance when John Bunyan, who refused to take uh, Episcopal license, so the Episcopal church threw him in prison, fed him dirt. Uh, They would give him little bottles of spoiled milk and over the top of the bottle would be a piece of paper with a wire around it, twisted. And he would untwist the wire and then turn the wire into a pen. And then he would smooth out the paper that was over the top of the milk bottle as a writing surface. And then he would use the moss that was on the walls of his dungeon to make it into ink. And he started writing with that wire and moss as ink the story of Pilgrim's Progress. If you've not read the story of Pilgrim's Progress, you're cheating yourself. It is a classic, and every Christian should read it. And he had hand out the chapters one by one. They'd be printed in the newspaper. And the Episcopal Church was saying, where's this stuff coming from? I thought we had him in prison. We can't shut him up no matter what we do. Amen. So those are sleep dreams. And by the way, the whole of the story of the Pilgrim's Progress, came to him in his sleep while he was dreaming. That's sleep dreams. And then there's hope dreams. Like when Dr. Martin Luther King got up in Washington, D.C. and said, I have a dream. And I wish everyone would follow his dream. Amen? We ought to be judged by the content of our character. You want to be a fool? You want to be a thug? Then you're going to prison. That's the way it ought to be. If you want to have good character, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. You're my friend if you want to be a good citizen i'm for you so but that's called a, i have a dream that's a hope dream that he hoped that that someday he would be judged by like that well there are a few characteristics about hope dreams that i want to bring to your attention this morning very important okay first of all if you ask someone are you saved a lot of times you know what they'll say well i what i hope so i hope so i i think so I asked Mr. Rodriguez one time, I was out on visitation in Hawaii on the island of Kauai when we started our first church, and uh, I said, well, okay, you say you hope you get to go to heaven. I said, how do you, how do you get there? According to you, how do you, well, he said, you got to keep the Ten Commandments and you got to live good and so on. I said, okay, well, let's give yourself a grade, okay? How you doing? By your standard, how you doing? He says, I'm an F. He said, I ain't going to get it. I said, can I tell you a better way? a better way where the price has already been paid. The sacrifice has already been made for you. You can be saved because of what the Lord Jesus did. This man tried to start an automobile company, but he was conspired against by the big three as well as senators in Washington. But nevertheless, he's got a great story to tell. Preston Tucker was an inventor and and he created the Tucker. I don't know if you've ever gotten to see one. Anybody that's an auto enthusiast, maybe you've gone to a museum and you got to actually see. There's only 49 of the 50 he built left. One of them got destroyed in a car accident or something, so there's 49. And always when you find them, I went to the LeMay Auto Museum up in Seattle, and if you go to the LeMay Auto Museum, they have one there, and it says number 36 50. So it's number 36 of the 50 that he built. And so, uh, but he always made this statement. He said, "When your memories outnumber your dreams, the end is near." That's a that's a that's a hard statement to make. Very important though. Listen, God doesn't have any problem with us having hope dreams. Are you listening to me? I mean, if you hope to go to heaven, can I tell you how you can be 100% sure you're going to heaven? And it's not because you're a church member or you give money or you've been dunked in a pool. It's because of what Christ did for you. You don't have to hope so. You can know so. But it's not by your righteousness that you're saved. You're saved by the righteousness of Christ. And if you're here today as a Christian, don't ever lose hope. Don't ever give up. The times that the church grew the largest and prospered the greatest was during some of the times in history of its greatest persecutions. When Christians had no fear of anything, they didn't care who they spoke to. But God's okay with us having hope dreams. Let's look at a couple of verses. Go to the book of Psalm, chapter 37. I want to read a couple of passages of scriptures to you. Psalm 37, then we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3. First, Psalm 37. Look what it says in verses 4 and 5. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the what? Your dreams. He'll bring your dreams to pass. He'll give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Go to Proverbs now, chapter number three. Proverbs chapter three. Look at the first ten verses. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and a long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth Forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths." Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses will burst out with new wine. God says, I'll fulfill your dreams. You walk with me, I'll walk with you. You honor me, I'll honor you. This is a promise from God. So it's okay, but here's some things you need to know about hope dreams, okay? Number 1, they take time. It wasn't just 4 years ago. I mean, I can remember sitting in my freshman class thinking because I had I am part Indian and and my ancestors were at the battle of Little Bighorn, but they weren't on Custer's side. They were on the other side, okay? And I had a dream from the time I was a kid that someday I want to go and walk on that sacred place. I want to go to that place. Do you know how long it took before I actually got to do it? It wasn't just till four years ago, Karen and I were on our way to see our son up in Seattle that we went up to Montana and we got to see it. So dreams take time. They don't always happen overnight. But God says, I'll still bring your dreams to pass. I mean, think about King David. Just think about him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, Samuel comes in and he anoints David to be the next king of Israel. Wow, that's an honor. That's pretty cool. Neal. And day, little David knelt, and Samuel poured the oil, horn of oil over his head. Behold, the next king of Israel. Now, regardless of what his brothers thought or anything, he anoints him. So David gets up. David's about 13 or 14 years old. He says, wow, I get to be the next king of Israel. <laughs> Hang on, son. Because he would not become the king of Israel until he was 30 years old. So how many years? Listen, more than Sixteen years would pass before that dream was finally fulfilled. Dreams take time; they take a lot of time. A lady in Africa, one time, she was mean. Boy, she was nasty. Everybody in the village knew she was nasty. Everything. I mean, she was as bitter as she could be. She cussed at the kids, kicked the kids, kicked the dogs. I mean, she was just she was just mean to everybody. Nobody spoke to her because she was so mean. And uh, then she got saved. She literally changed overnight. She got up, she went to a, a town meeting, and she got up in the meeting and said how that God has come into her life and that she's so sorry for everything that, but the townsfolk weren't ready to forgive her. And some of the folks picked up potatoes and threw them at her and hit her right in the face. Hit her in the head, hit her in the face. We're not interested in your contrition. We're not interested in your sorry. That's what kind of relationship she had with them. So after the meeting was over, she, she gathered up all the potatoes that had been thrown at her and she went to her garden. She cut them all up and she planted them. And they grew and they were prosperous and she cut them up again and she planted. Pretty soon she had this massive potato patch and she dug up all those potatoes and then she would go around to the whole village and give them sacks of potatoes. Let me tell you something. When people throw things at you and do stuff, you need to just turn it into something good. Amen? Amen? And that's what she did. She just turned those spuds into hope dreams to try to win the relationship back that she had so jeopardized. Another thing hope dreams take is trials. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be trials in our life. It's going to take time to get them. Think about Joseph. Just think about Joseph for a minute, okay? He has these dreams and visions that we already talked about. He's going, to be a, he's going to be a great man. His brothers are going to bow before him. Wow, this is wonderful. And I get a coat of many colors, and I'm going to be a great person. And in Genesis chapter 37, he tells his dad his dreams. But let me tell you something. He doesn't get appointed by Pharaoh, and he doesn't become a man of power and influence until Genesis chapter 42. And you know how many years went in between? More than 22 years of trial, of trials and strife. You ever feel forsaken by God? Ever feel like this guy? (laughs) Yeah, or other people, huh? Yeah, everyone has those moments. Let me tell you something, very few Bible characters, very few people in the Bible can be compared to Joseph when it comes to feeling forsaken by God's love, God's care, by divine fairness. It's not fair. But yet, Even fewer people in the Bible can be compared to Joseph's dedication to God, his personal integrity, his determination. In his life, he was exemplary in spite of the fact that he was hated and the things he went through. He was hated by men. He was sold into slavery. He was humiliated many times. He was framed for rape, which he never committed, thrown, put on a false trial, thrown into a dungeon, And he had to suffer famine to where there was almost nothing to eat. All those years. Listen, but his dreams came through. And yet, God still silenced every enemy. And Joseph was exalted by God. You can't get a bigger promotion in one day than to be promoted from a prisoner in a dungeon to the prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth. How does that happen? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Hope dreams chirpy was a beautiful little parakeet always happy in his cage always singing always chirping always talking always happy and one day a lady was cleaning her house and she saw that there was some rubbish in the bottom of the uh, bird cage so she stuck the vacuum cleaner in there and she was going to do that and chirpy went down to the bottom of the cage and got sucked right up the vacuum he went up the pipe and all the way in and the thing's spinning around like this and oh my goodness and he's in the dirt and so she shuts the vacuum off and she opens it up and she pulls Chopi out and he is filthy dirty, covered top to bottom. She goes, the poor little thing, he's so dirty. She runs to the sink, turns the water on full blast and shoves him under the water and the water's just gushing over him such that <laughs> he can't breathe and, 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 and then she realizes he's soaking wet and he's shivering, poor thing. She gets out her hair dryer. She turns her hair dryer on full blast and Boo, to blow dry him. He said, can I tell you something? Chirpy don't sing much anymore, okay? I'm telling you, when you've been through the ringer, sometimes it'll take your song away, but you can't let it, amen? Just like Joseph in Egypt, you can't let it. Another thing about hope dreams is they take teamwork, believe it or not. It's gonna take a lot of people in your life. You're gonna need help from people. Don't think that you're the only person that uh, cares about your life. Listen, you don't want to know what's all that's important at your bedside when you're dying. There's only one thing that's important. Actually, two things. is who you loved and who loves you. That's all that's important. It ain't going to matter how many cars you had, how much land you owned. You're not going to care what the bottom line of your checkbook is. It ain't going to make any difference. Who did you love and who loves you? That's all that's important. The word in Hawaii for family is a compound word. Ohana. Ohana means family in Hawaii. I was a minister there 40 years. That is a compound word and it means to work together. Oh, together. Hana, to work. Ohana, to work together. That's their concept. That's their word for a family is to work together. And I like that. I think that's a great word for it. Listen, when Nehemiah was in the land of Persia and he was a cupbearer for the king, he had a dream. He knew that the city walls of Jerusalem were laying burnt. And he had this dream. And so in chapter 1, he told the king his dream and the king sent him back to Israel to rebuild the walls. He took all the way to chapter 6 in the same book before the wall was finally built. More than two years for that dream to finally come true. And all the price he paid in the process of getting that job done. Listen, it takes teamwork, but he didn't do it by himself. There were people. He assigned them. He assigned them work on the wall. This is what the city of Jerusalem was shaped like back then. He said, okay, one guy in chapter number three is going to build from there to there. And the verses 1 and 2. And then in the verses 3 through 5, he says, I want the next guy to build from there to there. And the next guy is responsible from there to there. In verses 6 through 12. And then the next guy, in verses 13, he want him to build down to the dung gate. The next guy, he says, then in verse 14, he says, I want him to build to the fountain gate and then to the, to the west gate and then to the horse gate and so on. You can read chapter number 3 and you can see it's teamwork. Everybody did their part. And so the whole wall was built and the half was joined together because the people had a mind to work. Got to have dreams. Here at Hillside, we have dreams. I have a dream that everybody will want to go visiting. Everybody will want to invite others to the church. Whether you come to the go night or not, I hope you'll come. But even if you don't, listen, go stop in the office. Say, is there a visit I can make for you, pastor? Is there a visit I can make? We want to build a gymnasium next door. Can I tell you a little secret? Pastor has a dream that it will be done. The pastor had a certain amount that he wanted in the bank, and I don't think we're going to quite reach it. But that was his dream, is we'd have this much before we broke ground. Now let me tell you something, we can end that gap. If about 100 of us in here decided we were going to throw a goodly amount into the building fund, we'd reach that goal. We'd help the pastor to fulfill his dream. And I don't think I'm exposing something, Pastor John, don't want you to know. He had a dream, and he has a dream. And he wants to be able to do it, but he is a very good pastor. And he wants to do as much things as we can with cash. Amen? He's a good man. Hope dreams also take toil. It's going to take toil. you got to work at them. This is Dr. Vance Havner. Dr. Vance Havner was a Baptist uh, evangelist. He wrote over 70 books. Vance Havner once said, that's the reason I use that stairwell, is Dr. Havner said, vision demands venture. Don't just stare up the steps. Step up the stairs. Do something. Don't just stare up the steps. Step up the stairs. Time to do something for the Lord. Amen. Sister Ruth, remember her? Takes toil. She came back to Israel. She knew she was going to be hated. And guess what? It took over a year of almost back-breaking slave labor before God worked everything out for her. Hope dreams take toil. Nothing's going to come easy. Well, I'm going to win the lottery. Yeah, sure you are. First of all, stop gambling, amen? Stop spending grocery money on stuff like that. I know what it was like to have a dad that was a drunk and come home and gamble away his Friday paycheck at the gambling hall, and we had nothing to eat. So I know what that's like. Don't do that. Don't spend money on stupid, frizzless things. Hope dreams take toil. Just work at them. God will bring them to pass. This is a king size bed. Do you know that? That's a king size bed right there. Yeah, because it's humility. Amen. A person could be famous and not great. I know a lot of them. I could say their names right now. Can I tell you something? They're not great. I don't care how famous they are. They're not great. But a person can be great and not famous. They're not even known, but yet they're great people. People may not value you the way God values you. Fame and humility together are not mutually exclusive. Sometimes you find them, but they're rare. It's rare when you find fame and humility blended together. And Jesus considered humility the measure of authority in his kingdom. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be a servant of all. And it's the virtue by which all other virtues are measured. Ezra Benson said one time, pride is concerned with who is right, humility is concerned with what is right. C.S. Lewis said, humility does not mean you think of your, less of yourself, but it means you think of yourself less. And I like what Dave Ramsey said, the humility formula for life is never let success go to your head, And never let failure go to your heart. Amen. Finally, as we close this morning, hope, dreams, take trust. You have to have trust. Just like Noah. What's rain? It's going to rain. Noah goes, what's that? There's going to be a flood. What's that? You want me to build a boat out here in the middle of the desert? Are you crazy? took trust. It took trust. But he believed God and 120 years it took for that finally to, to take place where his family was preserved. And he preached to others. Lots of room. Not only did he take all the terrian creatures into the ark that size, but he only used about one-third of the ark's space inside to accommodate all those animals. There was room for anybody else that wanted to get in and they wouldn't do it and only eight people were saved. Jesus knows how to calm us. Jesus knows how to fulfill our dreams. And sometimes to get there, he has to calm the storm. Carest thou not that we perish, and he calms the seas. And other times he calms our heart. And he says to the woman that was thrown down in front of him, after all these are her accusers walked out of the room, Jesus said, now woman, where are thy accusers? And she said, I have none, Lord. Sometimes the Lord calms the sea, Sometimes he calms our heart and he takes away those that are causing us the deepest problems. Hope dreams take trust. So they take time and trials and teamwork and toil and trust. And we have to trust. We have to trust in God. We have to trust in people. We have to trust in ourselves. Dreams are so important, so important in our lives. Before we close here, you want me to tell you what God's dream is? God has a dream too. He has a hope dream. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let's look at that verse. This is God's dream. God has a hope dream as well. Back to the back of your Bible. Find the little book of 2 Peter, only three chapters long. Look at chapter number th- 2. It's actually chapter 3. My computer does that every once in a while. It's chapter 3. In verse 9, this is God's dream. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, he always keeps his word. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, toward mankind. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. But how many? All. Should come to repentance. That's God's dream. That's God's dream. He wants all men, women, and children everywhere to be born again, which is exactly why He faced the suffering for our sins so we don't have to. It's exactly why He died on the cross, unless we really want to. If we want to, there's only two places sin's going to be punished is on that cross of Jesus Christ and in hell forever. So you can decide whether you want Jesus Christ to take your sins or you're gonna bear them in hell forever. That's the only two places sin will ever be punished. Listen, come on. Jesus said, whosoever will come unto me, I'll in no wise cast out. Come on, would you fulfill God's dream today? His dream is he wants all men everywhere
0: to come to repentance. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, Stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?